Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today Inside Sound Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we're coming back to you with a preview of the Packers' London game against the New York Giants. Wow, what a game that's coming up here, Braun, right? Packers' first international game whatsoever. Of course, it's their first game in London. They're the only remaining NFL team who hasn't played in London. It's going to be fun, man. How are you, Bron? I'm good, and I am very excited to wake up extremely early for this football game. Uh, extremely early. Me and you are probably going to have to get up sometime around 5 a.m., whether you know whether that's <laughs> Eastern time or Central time, if we want to make game day graphics and whatnot. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, man. We are going to be up early and up at them. So, uh, Didn't the Packers fun, think of us when they scheduled this one? I guess not. Didn't the NFL so. think of us? You Come would think on, that us being the most important part of this whole thing we call football. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking there, but uh, no, yeah. I mean, it would be nice. I miss those one o'clock. I miss those four o'clock, and I miss those eight o'clock on the eastern on the eastern coast there. So, I know Griff, you're in that uh, Wisconsin time zone, so you have it a little. Yeah, tougher I gotta even. wake up. Kickoff is eight thirty for me, man. Nine thirty for you. Eight thirty for me. I can't remember a time I woke up before ten a.m. in the last two months. Like this is gonna be an early morning for me, man. Not yeah. excited about it. The Packers. I don't know how they feel about it. I feel like most of the players are excited. Matt Lafleur has seemed a little a little bit cranky, if you've noticed, at his press conferences. Yep. He's a little he's a little bit more jabby with the media than I've ever seen him. Russell Douglas had a quote the other day where he was talking about playing in London with the Eagles back in 2018, and he was he used all kinds of expletives. But I'm gonna bleep those out. He said that it sucked. You don't really get to do anything in London. You just fly there. You practice. You go home, and that's it. So I I don't know how exciting this really is for the players, but for the fans in London, if there are any international Today in Town listeners out there, I'm really happy that the Packers finally get to come to uh, your country. But for the players, it's kind of not a great thing. Yeah, I definitely am excited about the the London fans and some of our international fans getting a chance to, like, have a game at the normal hours of the day, which is – I'm not sure how often that happens based on some of these, like – just the way that the time allotments are and the 1 p.m.s, the 4 p.m.s, the 8 p.m.s for us are probably a more difficult time for them. So this is something I'm sure they're looking forward to. And obviously to get to see the Packers in person is exciting for them. So um, definitely worth it for us to get up a little early for them to finally have a game in London. And and for those that are watching on TV to wake up at a normal time and, and not have to watch at 3 a.m., you know, in their local time. So I'm excited for them, and, and I think it's just going to be a fun experience watching them play in another country, which is incredible. It's incredible. It's it's kind of crazy that the Packers, they're such a big football brand. Like, the Packers, I feel like, I don't really know how it is outside of the U.S., but the Packers feel like football. Like, when you think of the NFL, I feel like the Packers are one of the first five teams that you think of. So it's pretty crazy that the, the NFL hasn't made them play outside of the U.S. yet. I mean, I understand that if you're Mark Murphy, you don't want to give up a home game at Lambeau Field, but it's kind of crazy that we haven't been forced to so far. But uh, let's talk about a little bit about the game here, because we are actually playing a game. It's not just about the trip. We are playing the New York Giants. Wow, what a big game. I feel like this is a big game for those Londoners. New York, Green Bay Packers, that's a big game. Uh, as as for the actual football being played, I don't really know how much of a big game it is, because the New York Giants, they are 3-1, and one, but I feel like they're not a very good football team. No, they are pretty terrible, and I think we're going to see that. Uh <laughs> They're they're quite bad, but it's okay because they are. Uh, at least it looks good on paper, and maybe they'll get excited, and maybe it'll be a 
you know, nice thing to see us blow them out. I think we're going to beat them pretty handily. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we maybe we lose. <laughs> maybe we lose. <laughs> no, no, we won't lose. I'm only kidding. I, I really don't think we could lose this game. Daniel Jones is banged up. He's got a bum ankle, and he's going to play. But they've got a lot of guys out. And, and, of course, we could beat them, I feel like, at full strength. But uh, that's that definitely doesn't help their, their chances. Um, we're also, we're extremely healthy going into this game. I think only three guys are questionable and David's ready to go. Uh, Jair is back. I mean, like that's how healthy do you want to be going into a game? That's it. That's as far as it gets for us and having our stars out there. So especially with the depth we have, everything, everything's flowing in our direction. Three and one looking to go to four and one. Um, the only thing holding us back is the fact that we're going to be in London as opposed to Lambeau for this game. But I think we're ready. The Giants have to deal with the same challenges that we do. So uh, I'm expecting a win, a pretty big win, a chance for the offense to start really putting it together. Aaron Rodgers talked about wanting to air it out more, and and he said when Matt LaFleur was in a little bit of a better mood, he'd probably bring that up uh, going into the game plan this week. I love uh, I think that there's going to be a little more high scoring, a little bit more maybe throwing the ball around the yard, and that's why it's going to be an exciting game. And I think it will definitely wake us up. Uh, at that 9 a.m. start. Throwing the ball around the yard, that's what I want to see in this game. First thing I want to kind of talk about here is something that we talked about on the last podcast. I think the last two review podcasts that we've done, I think we've talked about how it's absurd and kind of kind of surprising that Rodgers has thrown so many picks this year. But when you look at a PFF stat, turnover-worthy plays, and it's a. I think this is one of their best stats. I'm not just saying this because I work for them, but I think turnover-worthy plays is a really good stat that they do because it includes dropped interceptions. It includes throws that should have been picked off, but it accounts for the defense maybe not being in, in the right position. So I have an interesting nugget here, Braun. I'm surprised it took me so long to think of this. But last year, right? So last year, weeks one through four, Rodgers had four turnover-worthy plays, only two interceptions. Both of those interceptions came in week one against the Saints, but he did have four turnover-worthy plays. Okay. This season, weeks one through four, he also has four turnover-worthy plays. He has three picks, though. So it's like we've been talking about how it's so weird that Rodgers is throwing picks in three out of the four games this season he's thrown an interception, and it's weird because none of his, no other aspect of his performance, no other aspect of his playing has fallen off, it seems. And I think that holds up statistically because last year he also had four turnover worthy plays only two picks he's just getting bad interception luck because I mean I think most turnover worthy plays are not capitalized on by the defense and it just so happens that three out of the four turnover worthy plays that Rodgers has this year have been capitalized on so I think that explains why we're seeing such a high volume of interceptions through four weeks this year yeah we definitely haven't seen any dropped picks or anything I guess if you think about it like that and in years past, you see that, and, and not from Aaron specifically, but you see that across the league from guys like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. And so when you think about from that point of view, those are forgotten very quickly because they're not turnovers in reality. So I guess when you look at it from that perspective, it, it makes it easier to, dig- to digest some of those. Uh, like you said, those numbers make it a lot, I think, simpler and easier to see that maybe it's not as bad as we think from a turnover standpoint from him. So, again, no reason to be concerned. We were never really totally concerned in the first place, but this just kind of verifies that for us, I think. Another stat that PFF has is big-time throws. This is a little bit more complicated. Big-time throws is basically PFF's highest-graded throw. They grade every player on every play. Quarterbacks is what I think they do best, and their highest-graded throw that they have is called a big-time throw. Rodgers leads leads the league right now with eight big-time throws on the season. Last year, he had nine through four weeks. 
but he didn't lead the league last year. And defenses are playing really, really well right now. I think it's just and has to do with schematics at all. Exactly, and quarterbacks are playing much worse too. Yes, yeah. So, uh, but basically, the point here is that I don't think Rodgers is playing any differently than he did last season. So, exactly. If if we can get a little bit better turnover luck and these receivers start to you know continue to develop and continue to become better players and Rodgers continues to trust them more, then I think we could see. Uh, I, MVP is not out of the picture here. No, I don't think so at all. Especially with the the trend of our team going up. And there's not many. There's only one undefeated team, and we, it's we're four weeks in. It's not the same NFL that it was even last year. And Aaron Rodgers hasn't changed from a play standpoint, a talent standpoint, or anything in that regard. I think the numbers will start to come to fruition a little bit more so now. Um, but again, like you said, I don't think there's much that's changed for him. But around the league, we're seeing defenses getting better, adjusting to the schematics of many of the offenses that have been adapted over the course of the last few years. And the lack of elite quarterback play is a true thing. Think about how many quarterbacks would you, there, you how many quarterbacks would you consider elite? How many can, you, you would think the top 10 quarterbacks are elite when you talk about NFL football. But this year, there's probably about, I want to say, seven elite quarterbacks, seven quarterbacks worthy of being top 10 quarterbacks. That's a generous me. number, I think. Right? Like, you think of, like, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and then you probably go Lamar, Joe Burrow. Not this year, though, right? Like, these are the guys that I think of when you talk about elite quarterbacks. Kyler Murray you could throw in there from a talent standpoint. But after that, who? I mean, Matt Stafford looks atrocious. Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson at this point. He's not good. <laughs> I've been Wilson, saying man. it. I've been this saying it for guy. a long time. He is not good. He is tragic, actually. Um, and then you look at just who else can you think of? Tom Brady? I mean, we've seen him play. You haven't mentioned Tom Brady. Not, I mean, we're well, both Tom Brady haters here, but it's kind of it's surprising that you haven't mentioned him up to this point. Well, he's just, to me, not a talented quarterback. So, I, I you know, he's closer <laughs> to the retirement home than he is. Uh, cl- closer to the nursing home than he is the MVP conversation. So, I would say uh, you keep him out of that. And then who else Who else at that point, right? Like, I, I just don't see anybody else in the conversation. Jalen Hurts has Gino, had a good year. PFF's highest graded quarterback, Geno Smith. Geno Smith. And you know, I think Geno's very good. So, and I was saying, you remember, I was saying this before he was, you know, two years ago. I, I like Geno a lot. So, I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm, obviously, everybody's a little surprised he's playing as good as he is, but I'm definitely not surprised that he's taking advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, in the NFL, not a lot of good offensive football being played right now. So, the Packers have a chance to really, if they stay consistent, they, they, they're second, tied for second in the league right now in 20-plus yard plays, which I think would surprise a lot of people because, you know, in all of our collective opinions— it feels like the Packers offense has taken a step back, but really it's just the turnovers that have really been killing them. And I think that's abnormal for a Matt LaFleur coached offense. I think it's abnormal for an Aaron Rodgers quarterback offense. So you have to predict that that's kind of going to regress to the mean a little bit and the turnovers are going to die down. And the Packers, man, these receivers played so well in the second half against New England that I think that I, maybe we turn to tide here a little bit, and I think they have a good chance to continue that momentum against a team like the Giants, who play a lot of man coverage, man. They play man coverage about 50% of the time. A ton for, of one-high stuff, too. A ton of one-high. Yes, yes. They play a ton of one-high. They make things... Wink Martindale is their defensive coordinator. He was with Baltimore for a long time. He was their defensive coordinator in 2018 through 2021. He's, this is his first season with New York. And they play a ton of one high. They blitz a lot, man. They blitzed 18 times last week against the Bears, which, you know, 
Justin Fields, maybe you'd want to blitz him. But they blitzed 17 times week three, 16 times both week weeks one and two. So this is a blitz-heavy team. Wake Martindale loves to send the blitz. And historically, is Aaron Rodgers a quarterback that you want to blitz a whole lot? No, no. definitely not. Definitely not. So... The Packers have a big chance against man coverage with more defenders coming at you. That means there's less coverage in the back end, which means there's more opportunity for these young receivers. And I think it could be a really good game from this offense. Yeah, I think they can take advantage of that secondary because I feel like our receivers are going to have a chance to win a lot of those one-on-ones that they're going to show us and, and give us those opportunities. So for sure, I think Wing, Wing Martindale... Don Martindale is a uh, very old-school defensive coordinator. I'm surprised the Ravens ever let him go because he is very good. It's not going to be easy, but I think from a personnel standpoint, we do have the advantage of, of our offense against their defense. And like like you mentioned, blitzing Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty sure he is actually PFF's highest-graded quarterback against the Blitz this year. So um, when you look at that, I mean, and that's not a surprise to either of us. So uh, I think if they if they're going to go and do that, Rodgers will take advantage. He'll make sure he gets the receivers those open balls, and and they're going to take care of business throwing the football down the field. And I think it's going to be a big scoring day for this offense and, and this Green Bay Packers team in London. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for these guys to make plays, and Rodgers is great against the blitz, especially when there's nothing but man coverage behind it, which I mentioned the Giants run a whole lot of man coverage. For context, the Packers run man coverage about 25% of the time, and especially these last two weeks, it feels like we're running a lot of man coverage. Um, but we only run it in total about 25% of the time. The, the Giants hover around 50%. So they run a lot of man coverage, and they are really light on cornerbacks right now. Aaron Robinson, their starting cornerback, just went on IR. Cordero Flat, I don't even think he made the trip. Correct me if I'm wrong there. No, I don't he even is think out. He, yeah, he's out. So they are down to Fabian Moreau. You remember that name, man? I, I, I think he's going to play. He was also on the injury report, but I think he's going to play. Uh, so the Packers, like I said, man, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to make some splash plays here. Adoree Jackson is their number one cornerback, and he has had he's had a okay season. He hasn't played exceptional this season. So if he's your number one cornerback, like the Packers don't have the type of receiving core that you're going to glue your number one cornerback to a specific receiver. But if he's your number one on defense, then I think the Packers are going to have a lot of opportunities to uh, beat those coverages. Yeah, Griff, let's talk about the defense a little bit too. Um, what do you think about our group matching up with Daniel Jones? I mean, from from that standpoint, I think there's going to be opportunity. We know his turnover history, especially his fumbling ability. I, he's cleaned that up a little bit over the years, but with our pass rush, Rashawn Gary leading the way, Preston Smith creating turnovers as often as he does, Kenny Clark in the middle, I think we can get to him with a four-man rush. That does depend on, though, the way their offensive line has improved. These are the things we're going to have to test. How How... How sure is that offensive line? Because they've only played well for four games, and a lot of it is similar to what they had last year, and I think a front like us has a chance to really expose them. Um, so what do you think? What's, what's the game plan on defense here? Because there are some idiosyncrasies that you have to think about um, when you look at that Giants offense. I don't want to say that there's still a lot of question marks for this defense, but I'm not fully confident in who they are quite yet because it's just because of the success that teams have had against us on the ground. And when we're playing a team with Saquon Barkley, this team, this Giants team, they feed the ball to him a lot. He's leading the league in carries right now. And they also run an offense that reminds me of Minnesota where they run a lot of play action. They're leading the league right now in play action dropbacks. They run a lot of play action with like three tight ends, heavy personnel in the game. So the whole defense is thinking run, run, run because they keep giving Saquon 
Saquon the ball, and then they're able to roll out with Daniel Jones and have an easy completion to be made. So I'm not sure what what Joe Barry is going to do here. You know, I feel like the obvious thing is that you have to prioritize shutting Saquon down, making sure that you limit what they're able to do on the ground. Because also Kenny Galladay, not that he's a good player, but he also didn't make the trip. And he is, on paper, their number one receiver. But he only has like two catches this season, I'm pretty sure. So it's this receiving core is not a problem. They have no premier pass catchers. But neither did a team like New England, who I spent all of last podcast talking about how I don't think that a team is going to play us quite like how New England did. But you know what? Watching this Giants team, you think maybe they maybe they would find success playing us like that, which is running the ball down our throat because we've been so, so susceptible against that and then rolling the play action off, off of that. So the key here for me is that not only does Joe Barry have to prioritize stopping the run, but I think this defensive line is just going to have to play better, man, because we have seen, outside of Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed, they have had really just mediocre seasons, especially on a defense that is so loaded on paper, and we've been looking at it all, all, all of this year, going back to last year even, all of this year. We've been looking at this defense as being an unstoppable unit, and the defensive line, I think, has really just let them down, specifically Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed. So I think that they're going to have to play better. The Giants, like you said, they don't really have a great offensive line, so there is a chance that they're able to look really good just because they have a weaker opponent, but I think the defensive line is just going to have to look a lot better than they did last week, And because if the Giants want to go five wide against us, I have no doubt that they're going to, that the Packers' defense is going to have success against that look, but the only thing that worries me is that if they have success running the ball and the play action off of that then this defense can get gassed this defense can get really tired they can start looking in the backfield which we've seen in pretty much all but all but one game they bite on the play action and the opposing offense is able to find success that way so uh, i think that all of this relies on the run defense specifically the defensive line playing better yeah the run defense has to be better and that has to be the main focus for this game i think we can handle their passing game because they don't a they don't have the weapons and b the quarterback is not special in any way so the focus should be on the running game I think they should play more single high. I think they should stack the box a little more, and I think they should commit to the run a little more often because that's how you're going to win this game. Shut that down early. Don't let them establish it because that's what's going to let them score points and remain in the game to where they can use that play action and they can take advantage of it. So to me, the game plan should be simple. Stop Saquon Barkley. Let the rest fall into place. Let the offense put up points on the board. Make them then throw the football you're going to win that football game. Another thing we can look out for is Daniel Jones on the rollouts. Off of the play-action rollouts, if no one's open, he's going to tuck it and run. He had two touchdowns against Chicago just last week alone. Uh, he is a, he's a little bit of a mobile quarterback. But um, it, like if the best defense here is going to be a good offense. This is what we said all of 2020. Do you remember that that season, man? All season we were talking about how the best defense is a good offense, and if we're able to get ahead early and change the game script, then the run defense isn't going to be a problem. And that's kind of the same thing this week. So the things that worry me, I really don't think are going to be that big of a deal, but they, they are worries of mine. That if we, if we keep it close going into the second quarter, going into the third quarter, then maybe the Giants are able to run their offense and they're going to give us trouble. But I think that if the Packers are going to score points, which I think they well, if they're able to score points, then it's kind of going to force the Giants out of what they want to run offensively. And I think this is going to be a pretty, there's no easy wins in the NFL, but I think it's going to be a pretty easy win. In the NFL, it's all about complementary football. And against teams that aren't particularly great at one thing, 
uh, that's really how you win games because offense makes defense and defense makes offense and special teams helps both of those units because if the defense gets good stops and gives you good field position, it makes it easier on the offense. If the offense scores, it makes it easier on the defense. It's just all of that. That's the nature of football. So against a bad team that we feel like maybe we have the advantages on all three sides of the football, all three phases, that that's how you win is just by playing that complementary football, and that's that's what turns wins into dominating wins. And I think we can do that in this game. It's probably something we should do as well. So you're going to have to look at that. Can we make every phase work for all four quarters to the best of our ability? That should be more than enough uh, to win by double digits against a team like the Giants who really have nothing on paper or anything that they've shown that's better than what we do. Right. It, there's there's really no actual reason pertaining to the what happens on the football field the, that the Giants should win this game. I think the only thing that may stop us is if just something to do with the travel, whether it's jet lag or whatever else it may be. I think that the only reason is just like traveling to London is a lot for an NFL team. It's a big deal traveling to London. It's a lot on their bodies. It's a lot on their sleep schedules. Like that. that's what jet lag is. It's a, it's a real thing. And so I think that if this game was happening in America, if this game was happening at Lambeau, the Packers would probably be favored by 20 points. If it was at New York, they'd probably be favored by 17 points. But just the fact that it's in London, there are some... there. There are some question marks going into this game, but if they just play their brand of football, if these if these receivers continue to develop, if we're able to have success on the ground game, which we didn't even talk about, but the Giants do not have a good run defense. They're 24th ranked in terms of EPA. They don't have a good run defense. There's really no reason, and considering all their injuries, there's really no reason we shouldn't be able to win this game. All right, Griff, I'm going to give you my score prediction here. I'm going to go with, we're going to break 30 for the first time. I'm going to say... A big one in London, 37-21. to 21. That would have me feeling good early morning. That would have me feeling good all, all Sunday long, man. I'm going to go 35-17. to 17. I'm also predicting a pretty sizable win here. I just don't think if the Packers, if they do what we were, what we're expecting them to do, what they should do on offense, then I don't think the Giants' offense is going to have any success, and I think this should be a pretty easy win, like I've said, and it's going to be a fun plane ride home maybe not fun but i don't know whatever <laughs> fun 20 hours <laughs> <laughs> 20 hours all right and that's gonna do it thank you so much for listening if you listen this far we're gonna be back on tuesday evening you can listen on wednesday morning whenever you usually listen to podcasts make sure to share it with your friends and family if you liked it rate us five stars on itunes spotify wherever you get your podcasts leave us a review send us a dm follow us on instagram You know the drill by now. So thank you so much for listening, and hopefully it's going to be a great win in London. Go Pack Go. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you across the pond. Go Pack Go. Across the pond. All right. (laughs)